We're back. I'm very pleased to say joined by Carolyn Glick, one of our countries, and for that matter, the free world's great authorities on what's happening in the Middle East at any given moment. She lives in Israel. She is now a citizen of Israel. She has served in its government under Benjamin Netanyahu. She is a columnist, um, an author of Shackled Warrior and the Israel Solution. She is a senior fellow of the Center for Security Policy and otherwise just a great friend and much valued colleague. Carolyn Glick, welcome back to Securing America. It's good to have you with us. Great to be on the program. And I just want to plug my Carolyn Glick Middle East News Hour uh, uh, webcast and podcast that everybody should be tuning in every week as well. Carolyn, I want us to start by talking to you about um, whether you believe that what the Biden administration has been doing with and to Israel, and I want to talk with you about all of that, but whether that may be contributing to a sense on the part of uh, Palestinian jihadists that it's open season on Israel at the moment, and therefore we're seeing this uh, perhaps beginnings of a new intifada against the Jewish state. Yeah, I think that your 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 question is spot on, Frank. Um, absolutely, because the Biden administration is pretty clear that it's realigning the United States away from Israel and away from its traditional Sunni Arab allies and uh, towards Iran at their expense. And uh, we're seeing this very clearly in the nuclear talks in Vienna, where the Biden administration is bowing down and kowtowing to uh, the Ayatollahs on, at every turn. And there's absolutely no doubt that Biden's uh, nuclear uh, capitulation to Iran and to its terror proxies as well, the Houthis, the Hamas, Hezbollah, etc., is empowering all of the terrorist forces in the Middle East to act, not only against Israel, but also we see with escalating terror attacks against Saudi Arabia and against the UAE and Iraq on the part of uh, Iran and its terror proxies. Yes. You've characterized this, I think, as a betrayal of Israel by the Biden administration. Um, what is the wellspring of that? Is it just this uh, fixation with Iran? Is it an enmity towards Israel as well? Is it uh, sort of the upshot of uh, more generally the desire to reverse everything that Donald Trump did? Uh, all of the above? What do you think is going on here? Well, it is all of the above, and I think it has to be really clear to the American people that um, you know while there may be a struggle uh, inside of the Democratic uh, Party between more uh, classical liberals and progressive Marxists, uh, the progressives have it. Uh, they have complete control over the administration's Middle East policies. And all of the senior personnel that's involved, whether it's Hadi Amar at the State Department or Mahir Birtar in the National Security Council, or Rob Malley, who is the envoy uh, to the talks with Iran and really in charge of the entire overall Middle East policy, or others like Colin Kahl in the in the Pentagon, um, are all progressives, are all completely uh, captivated by and committed to uh, an agenda that's based on incredible hatred towards Israel. They just hate Israel, and they hate the U.S.-Israel uh, alliance, and they are using their positions very clearly uh, to advance an extremely 
uh, anti-Israel and pro-Iranian uh, agenda and policies across the board. Progressives is a term that I always uh, find sort of obscures the true sort of radical left, uh, even Marxist attitude of a lot of these folks. And when you see it applied to not only our most important ally in the region, namely Israel, but also towards this uh, pursuit of uh, a hegemonic status for Iran. It, it, it seems so completely upside down, Carolyn. And I, I can only imagine how it looks from Israel and, uh, and more to the point, as the deal has been sort of trickling out, the, the nature of this agreement, uh, the Joint Comprehensive Plan of Action 2.0, I guess you might call it, um, it's all the more mind-boggling that uh, this kind of um, reversal of traditional policies and, and common sense, for that matter, is being applied. Talk us through what we know about the deal as things stand now and, and how it's seen from Israel. Well, I mean, first, the deal itself uh, does involve, I mean, it's it's a reapplication of the 2015 deal, but in an escalatory fashion, um, because for a number of reasons. One is because the nuclear safeguards that the 2015 deal placed on Iran's uh, nuclear operations um, were very weak. And the ones that are in this deal are even weaker. Um, and the 2015 deal was set to expire uh, or begin expiring in, uh, f after five years and then, after, and then gradually uh, over a 15-year period with a, with a major uh, period of expiration in 2025, a, a decade after the deal. Well, those deadlines haven't been moved. Iran, uh, since Biden took office, massively expanded its nuclear uh, enrichment, of uh, its, its uranium enrichment uh, towards the development of a nuclear weapon. Um, they've massively expanded their ballistic missile uh, uh, programs and other, and other actions that advance their military nuclear uh, capabilities. Um, and the deal doesn't uh, take away any of those new capabilities um, and it doesn't change the deadline so that whereas under the 2015 deal, Iran was effectively going to be a nuclear threshold state a decade later in 2025. Now it's uh, two years later. Now it's in, in two and a half years in 2025. So we're looking at a much shorter, uh, um, we're looking at a much shorter de uh, uh, timeline. We're looking at much weaker safeguards against Iran's nuclear operations from the ones that were already weak in 2015. And basically what we're looking at is a deal that guarantees uh, absolutely Iran will become a nuclear armed state uh, within the very uh, near future. And then the other aspect of it is the financial aspect of it, that this deal effectively abrogates not only the sanctions that were placed on Iran because of its nuclear operations, but also uh, uh, Trump's uh, executive order against uh, other Iranian uh, entities because of their uh, sponsorship of terrorism. And all of these sanctions that are being removed are going to empower or enrich Iran to the tune of between $90 billion and $130 billion. And that kind of change in the hands of the most prolific state sponsor of terrorism guarantees uh, regional war because all of that money has happened in 2016 after 
the the initial uh, sanctions were removed under the JCPOA uh, is uh, going to be going into the hands and the wallets of Iran's terror armies, Hezbollah, the Houthis, the Shiite militias in Iran, in Iraq, excuse me, <coughs> excuse me, and the Hamas and others. And uh, that's going to have a profound impact on their capabilities and on their operations. Okay, so uh, let's jump very quickly to two last points, Carolyn. One is Israel has been in the past two weeks uh, feverishly trying, it seems, to uh, reconstitute or at least strengthen some of the ties that uh, had been put into place during the Trump years, uh, the so-called Abraham Accords, notably, but also, uh, you know, strengthening relationships with uh, the Egyptians. Um, this is in the face of this growing danger from uh, Iran and the dangers associated with the United States as well, betraying Israel. Um, where does that leave Israel? And what do you think it has to do at this point? Well, I mean, I think that the problem with uh, what's happening with the Americans today is that um, they came, uh, Tony Blinken came to Israel this week um, with a very clear agenda. And the agenda was to emasculate and really empty of content the Abraham Accords. Abraham Accords were effectively an expression of the strategic alliance that Israel and the Sunni Arab states had developed since 2014 when the, when the Obama uh, administration began uh, courting Iran <coughs> through, through nuclear appeasement. And uh, Tony Blinken came in with this very anti-Sunni, anti-Israeli agenda, which he wanted to advance. And he did so by changing the subject and starting to talk about the Palestinians. So he changed the topic to the Palestinian agenda, um, undermining the Israelis' efforts to uh, basically strengthen their ties to these uh, Arab states and create, I guess, a kind of new fault line uh, that would be exploitable by the Iranians. Uh, at some point, I guess very soon, uh, if Israel remains intent on preventing the Iranians from getting the bomb, this is going to essentially come down to, are they going to be um, impeded by the United States, or do you think they're going to be able and feel the need to act on their own, perhaps with help from these Arab states as well? You know, I think one of the most troubling thing, one of the most troubling things that we're seeing today in Israel, is that the new government that we have, that's led by Naftali Bennett, <coughs> excuse me, and uh, Yair Lapid, um, and and Defense Minister Benny Gantz, is in denial. Unlike the Sunnis, they're in denial about the American betrayal. They are still under the impression that the Biden administration is not implacably hostile towards Israel when it is, when it demonstrably is. Um, and they are essentially um, giving up because they think that by appeasing the Biden administration, the Biden administration is going to stand with Israel and Iran. Um, and so they're simply denying reality. The Sunnis, I think, are very, very shocked by that. And one of the reasons that, that Blinken was successful in uh, derailing the Negev summit this week in uh, in Israel that saw uh, four Arab foreign ministers come to Israel. Um, and they came here with the agenda of joining Lapid in remonstrating Tony Blinken and explaining that the Americans are betraying its allies and that they don't appreciate it. Um, 
they saw that Israel was not standing up for itself, either on the Palestinian issue or on the Iranian issue, uh, with, uh, with Blinken, who was insulting Israel to our faces while he was standing next to Naftali Bennett and while he was standing next to Yair Lapid, and they were simply taking it uh, and, not, and not standing up for Israel. Um, and I think that they saw that uh, demonstration of profound weakness on the part of Israel's uh, now very left-wing government, and they were they were stunned. And that was probably the reason that Blinken was able to derail the and really hijack the negative uh, summit and transform it from an Israeli Sunni uh, summit that he was there uh, in order to be dressed down into an American Sunni summit where Israel was dressed down over an issue that uh, the Sunnis simply don't care about because that's not what they're being threatened by. They don't care about the Palestinians. They care about Iran, and they want Israel to be their ally in uh, preventing Iran from becoming a, a regional hegemon because that poses a, an existential threat not only to Israel but to the Saudis and to the UAE, to Bahrain, and to all the other uh, Sunni nations of the region. Right. Carolyn, we're going to have to come back to discuss more about what Israel and hopefully its friends in the United States need to do under these circumstances. This is a very, very troubling depiction of what's afoot. And uh, we appreciate both, as always, your clarity, as well as your directness, because it is a moment when friends of Israel need to be, I think, very, very engaged, concerned, and standing forthrightly with the Jewish state. We'll look forward to doing that and more with you in the days ahead. Thank you for your time today. Next up, we'll be talking with Dr. Suzanne Schulte. We'll be getting into uh, Korea, among other issues, with her right after this.